All right, welcome aboard another episode of White Collar Crimes. I'm your host, Ryan Horn. This is a show where we show you the only color that truly matters in our criminal justice system is green. You know, when people are sick or injured, they're unable to work, they sometimes have nowhere else to turn, and that's why we have disability and things of that sort, and that's a good reason why we have it, you know, for people that legitimately need it like this. Now, we all know these uh, programs have been abused for many decades, but to the people that truly need them, you know, thank God they're there. Uh, It's a lot like Wortman's Comp. You know, I have no doubt it's abused. I saw it firsthand when I was a mayor of a little town around here. It was abused by a lot of city employees for a lot of years, cost the city a lot of money. But also knowing I was a correctional officer, I was injured on the job once and Thankfully, workman's comp, I didn't miss a paycheck while I was off. Very good and very fortunate to have one of those kind of things. And you trust that that'll be there for you when you get there. And when people hire an attorney, even though, you know, the legal profession, the track record's not the best now. We've done shows a lot on them lately, a lot on the pharmaceutical industry. Well, tonight's a little bit about some legal issues and, uh, problems in the legal system we've had as well and you know it's like I said when you trust when you hire an attorney you trust that it's going to be well taken care of whatever you've hired them before you know they have what's known as a fiduciary responsibility they have a legal responsibility to look out after your best interest but that's not always the case and that certainly wasn't the case with Eric Kahn which oddly he was a con artist so the last name was fitting although it was spelled I think C-O-N-N But he was an Eastern Kentucky uh, attorney. And for those of you not familiar with that part of the country or that part of the world, you know, for those of you listening in other countries, that is what's known as coal country here in the U.S. Uh, Very similar to Southern Illinois where I live. It's a big industry in these parts. And, you know, Southern Illinois, Kentucky, uh, Ohio, Pennsylvania, West Virginia, places like that, you know, again, it's known as coal country. And... You know, I'm every winter, I'm thankful we have it. I'm reminded of it when we have a lot of cold weather here in the Midwest. Uh, we stay nice and warm, and, you know, I know that's because the coal powers our electricity we have here, and very thankful to have it, to stay warm like we do. But many get injured on that job. It's a dangerous job. It takes a toll on you. Uh, my grandfather was a, a coal miner and died with black lung issues when he was about 67, 68 years old. It's a can be a tough job. Take a lot of take a lot out of you. I've got uh, cousins and a lot of friends that are coal miners to this day, and uh, you know, like I said, it's a job that can take a lot out of you physically, especially. And you know, it's a dangerous job. You know, there are coal miners that get killed on the job uh, long before I was born. My grandmother's brother was killed in a coal mining accident in this area right before Christmas, and several miners were killed that year, sadly, right before Christmas. So. It's a very dangerous job. But many that were injured in eastern Kentucky coal mines turned to a flashy Kentucky, Mr. Eric Kahn, trusting him to help deliver them the disability benefits they needed to basically survive and to keep going. Now, sadly, many would later discover that their benefits were being invalidated due to the fraudulent way Mr. Kahn received them, delivered them. So I said, a very flashy attorney there in eastern Kentucky, which is a you know a pretty rural part of the country. So somebody really overly flashy like he was would definitely stand out. Uh, he was known to hire you know beautiful women, you know almost like Playboy models or you know Hooters 
waitresses thing, you know, very scantily clad women as part of his promotions. He had a big Abraham Lincoln, almost life, you know, or like a 50 foot Abraham Lincoln statue or something on his parking lot. Uh, very flashy. And, and a lot of people wonder, you know, American Greed did a story on this guy and, you know, it was reported in high school. He was kind of a geek and maybe that, you know, left him with this chip on his shoulder to always try to prove he was better, but he certainly flaunted his wealth. He drove the most expensive cars out there, wore the most expensive, you know, flashy Rolex type watches, always was sure to let everybody know that he was very wealthy and, and had it going on. But he gained a reputation as an attorney that could masterly secure these social security disability clients for his, you know, claims for his clients. And so much it earned him the nickname Mr. Social Security. Now, Floyd County, where is eastern Kentucky, where he operated out of mostly, the state's attorney there, a man by the name of Ned Pillersdorf, later described he prosecuted Kahn later, and he really described it how Mr. Kahn had a brilliant Kahn, the way he had it set up. He did a lot of advertising in an area where a lot of people truly are disabled and were disabled. As I said, you know, coal mining is a very tough job, takes a lot out of you physically. And a lot of people that do that kind of work do get injured or, you know, just through the years of the toll that takes on their body, they do end up being disabled and having to turn to disability and things of that sort. So he had a good place to operate, you know, and, you know, in an area like, you know, Southern Illinois where I'm at or Eastern Kentucky or West Virginia or something, if you're a disability public in, uh, you know, a, uh, an injury, personal injury attorney, if you want to try to make money off of, uh, you know, this type of clientele, that's a good place to operate because there, this is, you know, where a lot of people are working in this industry and the injuries are high in there. So, a lot of people were turning to him to secure these benefits for them. And he had a system very well set up. Target people that truly need it, that are disabled. Bribe a corrupt judge. More on that later. And uh, split the uh, difference. And he made millions from this scheme. Several million dollars. Became a very wealthy man out of this. You know, Unfortunately, it came with a cost for the people that he conned, no pun intended, but for the time he made a lot of money at it. Uh, in fact, the total estimated amount of his con was around $550 million. And as I said, he was said to have been a geek in school, so maybe that kind of, you know, allowed him to have this chip on his shoulder to try to want to do better, and it's too bad he didn't use that for good. You know, he could have used this and actually truly helped a lot of people here who needed this and could have made a lot of lives really better, but... As we often see in white-collar crimes, the primary motivation for greed and that almighty dollar takes somebody in a completely different direction and in the wrong direction, and innocent lives are destroyed, and that's what we'll see happened in this case. But he, as I said, used beautiful women and advertised himself as a, quote, man of the people, you know, and this is a part of the country where, you know, common appeal, common folk appeal can do really well in advertising. You know, again, these are miners, these are blue collar folks, salt of the earth type people. And he appealed as a, you know, salt of the earth kind of guy. But little did anyone know that this geek, quote unquote, would pull off the biggest social security scam in American history. And he set up his disability firm in 1993 and around this time, a lot of coal mines were shutting down. You know, the Clean Air Act had happened in 1990. I can remember this time here in Southern Illinois, a lot of mines. I uh, had only been out of high school a couple of years at this point and was still in college in 1993. 
And I can remember at this time, a lot of people, you know, were suddenly a lot of miners were finding themselves out of work. You know, now some of the mines have reopened in recent years, although a lot of them are non-union. At this time, a lot of these mines that shut down were United Mine Workers of America, UMWA, you know, union mines. So a lot of good jobs were being lost at this time. And, you know, some people after years on this job were, you know, looking to retire and get out and were no longer able to work because of the toll this job took on their body. And they were looking for assistance in securing this disability. So as I said, he had a really good system set up. He and an administrative law judge named David Dougherty, they cooked up this scheme where Dougherty would basically rubber stamp all of his cases with approval. And, you know, they would split some of the costs down the middle that they secured and uh, made out like bandits, so to speak. You know, he had an astonishingly high rate. And it's not always easy to secure these type of benefits. Uh, I had an uncle that was a police officer, and he was, uh, a lot of that job took its toll on him over the years. He had a lot of heart problems, and the first go around, he was not able to successfully secure disability, social security disability. He did later, but first go around, he did not. It's not uncommon for people to be denied. They don't just usually rubber stamp these, but that was what happened between Khan and Dougherty, and they were having an astonishingly high success rate, you know, like a 99 point whatever success rate, just almost near impossible. But they were making very good money off this scam. But it caught the eye of a couple ladies in the Social Security Administration that later became whistleblowers and helped shine the light on these cockroaches and the little scam that they were pulling off. In fact, ladies that were able to do this were named Jennifer Griffith and Sarah Carver. Again, they were both uh, Social Security Administration employees turned whistleblowers. And yeah, they discovered that, you know, 99% of Khan's cases were being approved by Dougherty, which was astonishingly high because, as I said, these claims are not just automatic, you know, because sadly, not everybody that pursues these is legitimately disabled and, and needing this. And there are the share of people who pursue this that don't need it. And that's uh, sadly what slows this process down some. So they reported this to their supervisors, but to their shock, they were not praised or heralded for basically discovering what they thought and seemed suspicious to them and certainly could be like possibly a scam. Quite the opposite happened. Uh, they were dismissed and kind of blown off. And actually, they said they were even harassed a little bit. Uh, they were, you know, watched more closely. Their break times, bathroom breaks were counted and, you know, all kinds of micromanaging suddenly followed them, almost that bordered on harassment. So rather than being heralded for what they discovered, they actually were being chastised, almost for lack of better words. So on a tip, don't know if it came from these two or not, but very well likely could have or someone they knew, they got the Wall Street Journal to break this story. And there it was revealed that Mr. Kahn was paying the judge between eight and 14000 per month to rule favorably to his clients. And you know, judges make good money anyway, so you top in, you know, an extra 96 to, you know, 150 plus thousand dollars a year on top of what they're already making, you know, that's pretty good little money, you know, especially in a, you know, rural area like Eastern Kentucky in this area, you could live quite nicely on that kind of money, you know, and make no mistake about it. They were, especially Con, you know, he was living in a mansion and touring all over the world, uh, marrying beautiful women. That was another, you know, little quirk he supposedly had. He 
had several marriages, some of them, you know, lasting very little at all. They reported one, I think it was on the American Greed episode. He had one marriage that went wrong and, you know, that was divorced after a day. It's like, what the hell can go wrong after one day? But I don't know. This is, you know, not a normal person, Mr. Khan. But they revealed he was paying the judge this kind of money to rule favorably. So, you know, judge is making good money. So, of course, he was willing to rubber stamp and approve all these cases. So people were getting their disability. You know, Mr. Disability was coming to bat for him and knocking it out of the park. So they thought. And as I said, the two employees tried to bring this to light and they were harassed and blown off by their superiors. And then also... They began to be stalked and harassed by some of the henchmen of Khan and Doherty. Followed around, videotaped, harassed, you name it. So they were about to blow the lid on something big and, you know, these two didn't want caught and they were willing to go to whatever means necessary to keep anything from being exposed. And what was also exposed was that Khan was also paying corrupt doctors to approve the claims Even though most of them really were legit and it wasn't necessary, he still was able to get doctors to approve some that weren't so they could get that approved and then, you know, he could take his cut of it and kick back the rest to uh, Mr. Dougherty. You know, pretty good little scam they had going. And uh, the doctors were in on it too. Some doctors, you know, were willing to do some corrupt things here. And, you know, again, we've talked about, you know, the legal profession and the medical profession both are chock full of corruption right now and as long as there is these kind of problems are going to continue to happen and uh you know they said uh one of the clients that was on the american greed episode that got scammed by mr khan here reported that you know the doctor's office was like adjacent to his lawyer's office there mr khan's office it was like a you know all one kind of shop stop you know walmart kind of you know get all one stop kind of store and uh that's what they they had their scam going almost uh, to a, you know, machine-like efficiency. But once this was exposed, finally, the Social Security Administration placed a hold on all of Khan's cases pending a review. Now, this was the downside of how what happened here, because suddenly all these people that had been getting their payments and getting their disability uh one young man on the american greed episode testified you know for once he felt human uh if he needed to put some gas in his tank although god knows now he wouldn't be able to probably put much in you know no more money he'd be bringing in but you know if he wanted to buy something for his kids or take them out to eat or something he could you know he had money coming in and it gave him a sense of you know feeling human because he had a lot of medical issues and he was no longer able to work and tons of other people were in that situation. And suddenly they get this letter saying, well, your disability's on hold till we figure out if it's legit or not. And sadly, one man that was, that was a case they talked about on the American Greed episode, the wife said he finally drove off into a deep depression to which he never recovered and committed suicide. And sadly, there were a few more because of Khan's con here that did commit suicide. And, you know they paid the ultimate price for his greed and you know you can imagine the shock that these people have that totally depend on this for literal survival and suddenly because of one man's greed or two men's greed and their little con job here no pun intended cost them their livelihood and 
others, you know, the, the ones that uh, survived, not all of them, you know, said there were some that committed suicide. There were several that ended up homeless and losing everything they had. And he was finally charged by the feds for conspiracy, fraud, money laundering, a bunch of other related uh, offenses. But he was released after being originally arrested and placed on house arrest with electronic monitoring while the case was pending. And for those of you that are not familiar, that's an ankle monitor. And I can tell you as a probation officer, my, you know, if any of my fellow officers are listening, my opinion of these things is well known. And I think these things are a joke. They uh, oftentimes are abused and they're cut off or they're not charged. And, you know, they don't end up keeping people confined most of the time like they think they do. They're just the success rate on them is not good. Done studies on it. I remember reading one in grad school even. And, you know, they're not what people think they are. But, you know, and honestly, somebody in his case that did what he did should not have been allowed to just, you know, sit at home and, you know, especially at a mansion like he had. But that's, you know, that's what his attorneys were able to get worked out. But he didn't stay on it too long. And like a lot of these, uh, you know, criminals, he cut it off and went on the lam. Uh, was, you know, actually found later in another country and caught and extradited back. But, uh, you know, the prosecutor, you know, the Floyd County prosecutor and, you know, said he wasn't surprised or anything from this. But, uh, you know, and our, my mistake, he actually was, was brought up on state charges here. But anyway, uh, he, uh, he was extradited and finally brought back and he was finally sentenced to prison which he will remain for pretty much the rest of his life. I think, if I'm not mistaken, he will be paroled maybe when he's around 80 or somewhere in that neighborhood. But, you know, again, what at what cost, though? Uh, you know, Dougherty, the administrative law judge, ended up doing some time in this case as well. But, again, how many lives were destroyed by this? Again, financially, you know, they uh, had people lose their livelihoods, what little money they had, this was all they had, and that was taken from them. And again, some people ended up homeless, and some people were not able to bear the stress of this and ended up committing suicide, all because of the greed of a couple people, especially one man's enormous greed here. But make no mistake about it, he lived high on the hog on the backs of these poor, honest, hardworking people, many of whom had worked their whole lives in a hard physical labor job like mining and uh, he took advantage of that and made millions off of this scam. Uh, in fact, his whole scam was estimated to have cost somewhere around $500 million. That's half a billion dollars, folks. I mean, enormous scam. And, you know, right there in this rural eastern Kentucky coal country, you know, this is not something that happened in a big state like New York or California or Texas. This happened in rural eastern Kentucky. And, that just goes to show you scams like this can happen anywhere. You know, a white collar crime, any one of us at any time can fall victim to one of these types of scams. And we've talked about it. There's plenty of corruption enough in the pharmaceutical industry, medical industry, legal profession. All of these have massive amounts of corruption. And, you know, and don't get me wrong, the overwhelming majority of professionals in all of these cases, these professions I just mentioned are good and honest, but they also have a high degree of you know, corruption. And, and unfortunately, the stakes are high in, in a lot of these types of uh, industries and the people pay a big time price for it. And that's certainly what happened here. You know, he had no conscience and was willing to live in a mansion, drive fancy cars, wear flashy clothes and watches, all while knowingly ripping off 
the only livelihood honest, hardworking people had, you know, just very sick and cruel. And uh, gladly he will spend a good chunk of the rest of his life in prison, which he should. And uh, hopefully the judge spends a good part of it as well. Thankfully, these two will not be able to practice law anymore if they were to ever be released, you know, even though they'd be really old. Thankfully, they'd be barred from doing anything like that. So, uh, going to do some more episodes coming up on some more from the legal profession. And uh, we'll uh, probably do some more even on the pharmaceutical industry. There's plenty of corruption going on in cases like that. Um, also with some issues that are even in some sports. Going to have some sports scandals coming up. Maybe even some episodes on some little uh, Southern Illinois history here. Um, from bootlegging days and other types of white-collar crime, so to speak, that people could make money off of. And uh, a lot of that coming up. Going to have some special guests coming up again. Um, Got a foster puppy right now, if anyone's interested. She is supposed to be a boxer mix. You can check us out on our Facebook page, uh, White Collar Crimes. Uh, Donate to us on our Anchor FM page. But as always, just mainly glad to have you listening to us. Um, You can check me out on my website, ryan-horn.com. You can... uh, you know, hire me for any type of voice services if you're in need of that. Um, also, my occasional co-host and good friend Greg Yulinchich is going to be having a podcast coming out here on Anchor as well called You Can't State the Obvious on a lot of political and current event issues of the day. So be sure and check that out. And, uh, yep, check out and support your local dog shelter. You know, we've got a puppy for adoption right now. If anyone's interested, you can contact me. Email me at Ryan dash or RyanHornVT at gmail.com. Uh, always great to have you here. Look out for each other. Uh, there's plenty of people out there looking to scam all of us, and it's up to us to look out and take care of each other and make sure that these types of cases continue to get exposure. And, uh, you know, people like Mr. Khan, that way they're brought to justice where they can't con anybody anymore. So... God bless. Take care, everybody. We will see you next time. Thank you for tuning in.